0: Open our blind eyes and soften our hard hearts, O God. Bend our proud wills, that seeing thee we might love thee, and loving thee we might serve thee. Whom to serve is perfect freedom. Amen. Amen. I want to thank my father. Peter Moore for introducing me to the prayer I just read, which was written by John Stott. So it's a keeper, and you'll hear it again and again from uh, Sean and and me. Um, Good morning. I'm I'm Kate Norris, um, an associate uh, minister here. My husband, uh, Sean Norris, is at Sullivan's Island preaching this morning. Um, And I am so glad to be with you today. I'm sure you all have someone in your life who does not believe Jesus died and rose again to save her soul and to give her eternal life. Maybe a family member. Perhaps that's you this morning. And if so, I am so glad you're here. Coming to believe this radical hope is no small thing. In fact, it's impossible to fake or muscle it, if you're honest. Natalie is one of Sean's and my dearest friends, and she comes from a Polish Jewish family in New York City. She is self-admittedly secular, but she was loyal to her family and ethnicity. Her grandparents were the only survivors of the Holocaust in her family. So how could you not be loyal to them? We would have late-night talks with her, and she could just not believe Jesus was the Son of God who died for her. Maybe you can relate. Or maybe that person is coming to mind now. Surprisingly, In Matthew chapter 12, our passage today, Jesus' own earthly family shares this inability to believe in him. All the Gospels note it. The parallel passage in Mark chapter 3 says his family tried to seize Jesus because they said he was out of his mind. John chapter 7 admits, For not even his own brothers and sisters believed in him. It's those who are closest to us that can reject us the worst. Our scene today ends with Jesus going to his hometown, and no one there believes that he is the Son of God either. That is one of the most radical things Jesus tells people to do after he heals them. You'll see it in the scripture. He tells them to go home. He tells some of them, not all, but some of them, go home. Go home to the people who know your past, who know you at your worst, who might be keeping a record of your wrongs, and maybe you're keeping one of theirs. Go home to them. And today, we see Jesus, the only one who had no record of wrongs. We see him face home. Our topic across all campuses at Holy Cross today is that the church is a family and not a club. But what kind of family is it? It's It's not our earthly family or his, obviously. Well, we see three things in Matthew, chapter 12, verse 46 to 50. Firstly, we see earthly family will fail. It's full of sinners who need a Savior too. And I say this as a wife, a mother, a daughter, and a sister. Earthly families expose our need for a Savior, and we've got one. The best families point one another and others to him. Secondly, we see that Jesus redeems rejection. He weathers rejection without sin so that his family would never be rejected. And thirdly, he welcomes the broken sister, the broken brother and mother, the broken father, his own included, into his father's family. So the three things are earthly families are broken, Jesus redeems rejection, and he welcomes the broken into his father's family. So let's put this confrontation in context, Jesus is in heated dispute with some of the scribes and Pharisees. He has just healed a demon-possessed man who was deaf and mute on the Sabbath. In reaction, the scribes called Jesus demon-possessed. And Jesus refutes them, saying, Satan cannot... Cast out Satan. I did not do this by the power of Satan. I could not cast Satan out that way. The deaf and mute demoniac is a profound illustration of what unbelief makes you to Christ. Though seeing, you cannot see him. Though speaking, You cannot confess him as God's son. And though hearing, you cannot hear him speak to you. Jesus heals the demoniac, yet the Pharisees remain spiritually deaf and mute. Then enter Jesus' mom and siblings. In Matthew's gospel, His confrontation with his family is subtle, but still awkward. He's in the middle of talking to a crowd, like I am now, and they show up and want to pull him aside. It's a bit of a power play. Matthew gives the bare details about this, so his earthly family almost slips out of the story. And we focus more On the wonderful declaration and not so much on the rebuke. The wonderful declaration is that Jesus is not just for his family, he is for all of us. Jesus is the new nucleus of family, the will of his Father is the new glue. It's not the way we celebrate the holidays. It's not the shared history we have. It's him. This sounds lovely to outcasts and demoniacs, to the lonely, the rejected. This is good news to parents who lose their patience and wish they'd done things differently. We have a savior in our midst, in our family. But what about Jesus' own family? They were faithful Jews, loving parents. This declaration is a welcome to us, but a rebuke to them. His family is blind to his divinity and mute to confess him as the christ the savior sent by god they cannot believe in him yet do you still have that person in your mind that natalie in your life maybe you it's impossible to break through that unbelief impossible for us Jesus redeems the rejection of his own family. He turns their rejection into differentiation. He uses it to define himself and his father's family. They want him to conform, to be more normal, to stop drawing negative attention, to stop saying crazy things like, I'm the son of God, to go back to being a great carpenter. I'm sure he was very competent. (laughs) Conform. Be the same as everyone. Don't stand out. Fulfill our expectations. Loving, faithful families are still full of expectations of one another because we're sinners. They didn't realize it yet, but they would need him to die for their sins too. They needed him just as much as the possessed man, the scribes, and the Pharisees surrounding this scene. I'm a grateful member of Codependence Anonymous, and there are new adults every week who come to meetings suffering because they have become chameleons to please others. It always leads to their destruction. Not so with Christ. He confronts this kind of expectation and manipulation. This is good news to those who have been trapped in keeping the status quo. You have a deliverer who went through the same trials, but without sin. He heals and liberates, redeems, He makes you more you. A brother or sister of Jesus will honor their parents, will honor their siblings, but not by pleasing them. On this day, Jesus declared, You are not theirs. You are his. We are first the Lord's. Children are given to us to care and nurture for a while, but they are his. And we were in our parents' care, but we are really the Lord's. Jesus humbled himself to be a part of one of our own sinful family systems. And we get this glimpse of his family system because he is at work in ours. So Jesus redeems rejection in order to welcome such broken sisters and brothers and mothers like you and me into his father's family. And this is what he meant by those who do the will of my father are my brother, sister, and mother. And what does that mean? Do the will of my father. In another confrontation with his half-brothers, Jesus explains it. He says, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. It means that you are given the sight to see Jesus as the only son of God. It means you're given the ears to hear his forgiveness. It means you are given the faith to speak. Jesus is my Lord, Lord of all. He came for you, for me, for Natalie, for her family, for his own family, to take our brokenness upon himself. He was rejected by his heavenly father on the cross so that we never would be. So Jesus welcomes the broken into his father's family. A family of faith in Jesus. In his father's family, he doesn't cover up mistakes. He exposes them and forgives them at the cross. And that bears fruit. That means that families can admit their wrongs against each other. They can forgive one another. They can rest knowing Jesus is the founder and savior of each of them even if you don't see it yet. It also means that death is not the end for Jesus' family. It hurts to say goodbye, to leave, to be left. Jesus overcame death, and his family will too. In this family, Jesus does not reject us, but adopts us. If you've never heard of Jesus' family in your own, then today he has adopted you. As an epilogue to this sermon, I'd like to ask what happened to Natalie? What happened to Jesus' mother and brothers? Well, we'll start with Natalie. Two years ago, she sent Sean and me a video taken on her iPhone of her taking her first communion. It took 10 years of praying and waiting and letting go and trusting that Jesus would give her the grace to believe in him. He did. She said, because I talked to her about this, and she said it was okay to talk about her in this sermon. (laughs) It's okay to use her real name. It's all permission. It's all okay. Um, And she she said she didn't go looking for it at all. She actually resisted it for a long time, especially since she felt like she was abandoning her family who suffered so much. But she isn't. She said when she found herself at the foot of the cross... She found rest, and peace, and acceptance, and she comes back to that all the time. What about Jesus' mom and brothers and sisters? Mary, Jesus' mom, would find herself at the foot of the cross, too. And Jesus would take care of her even then, putting her in her, his friend John's care. Mary and Jesus' half-brothers, James and Jude, and the others, would be with the disciples in Acts chapter 1. If you read the list of names, they are listed. They are in the upper room when the Holy Spirit filled all the believers in Christ and gave them boldness to speak to strangers and to speak to their hometowns. James His brother would later write the book of James that's in the Bible about how lively and active this faith is. And Judas, called Jude, would also write a letter. And it is found just before Revelation. It's the second to last book in the Bible. And with Jude's words, I will close. This is Jesus' brother writing. He says, You, beloved Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Now, to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory and majesty, dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen.